day to you, ladies and gents. Welcome to a very special, spooky, Halloweeny. It's not really a Halloweeny episode. It's a Gravity Falls special that I'm doing because I've become mildly obsessed with the show. Before I introduce to you my lovely guest co-host for this special, um, I just want to say that if you haven't watched Gravity Falls and you want to, do not listen to this podcast. We're going to go to Spoiler Town, and I don't care how much you say you're not bothered by spoilers, and it'll be fine because you'll still enjoy it. No. Don't do it to yourself. This show needs to be experienced for the first time, like firsthand. Don't listen to anything we say after this point until you've seen the show. Got it? Good. Okay. Joining me in the parlour for this special is parlour regular and lovely chap and the slightly hungover, Luke Foster. Hello. Hey, hey. Yeah, I'm no Danny Abram, but I hope I'll suffice. I'm gonna. It's gonna become one of these things now where Danny gets mentioned in every episode of the parlor, like how my mate Key always comes up in episodes of Podcast and a Half Shell. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Key, he listens in the bath, and I think that um that is why my friend keeps me- like Duncan, my co-host for Podcast and a Half Shell, keeps mentioning him because I think he hopes that he'll be in the bath and hearing his own name. But I don't know like what difference. I'm- anyway, Gravity Falls. Hi, Luke. <laughs> Hi. Listening to podcasts in the bath sounds dangerous. Uh, I listen to podcasts in the shower, but my phone is very far away from the shower and bath scenario because I know for a fact I'd drop it in there. Everything I always saw about on TV was never do that because somebody will murder you to steal your inheritance by throwing the radio into the tub. <laughs> that is true. I don't know. Like if you drop a phone in the tub, is that going to electrocute you? I don't know. Is that enough? Like, phones are tiny, and I don't really know how phones or electricity works. <laughs> I'm assuming at that point it would just actually just ruin the phone, but I'm not taking that risk because, frankly, I got a lot to live for. There is that. I would recommend, though, if you do listen to podcasts in the bath or in the shower, that you don't listen to podcasts by your friends. Because I tried to listen to an episode of Two Grown Men and found it all too weird listening to my mate Nick speaking while I was, you know, scrubbing all my important bits. So. <laughs> And from there, we transition into talking about a children's show. <laughs> okay, I probably should have put like a swear words and stuff warning at the start of this, shouldn't I? Because anybody <laughs> stumbling over it thinking, ooh, I like Gravity Falls, probably wasn't expecting me to talk about, you know, cleaning my vagina so early in the conversation, but <laughs> oh well. <laughs> Luke, Yo. you just recently watched Gravity Falls in its entirety. So it's like two seasons, 42 yeah. episodes, I think. What made you dive in? It was just time to, it's it one of those things that everyone told me to watch. Uh, it had just come up on Hulu a few months prior, and I'm like, no time like the present. So I got into it, and I was hooked from, like, the get-go. I have seen, like, the odd episode previously on uh, Disney XD, but they're not showing it in any particular order here, which can be demonstrated by the fact that today it was on, and I thought, oh, I'll watch it, you know, for research. <laughs> and the episode that was on was the Summerween episode, which is, I've seen maybe 12 times, because it's Jeez. all is fucking on <laughs> drives me crackers so yeah rich and i basically uh sky plused it and then put it in order and then watched it and i think maybe obsessed is probably the best word i could use i'd like to pretend that i'm just a, like a very big fan but i have straight up not stopped thinking about this show since i finished watching it on my birthday which was uh almost two weeks ago now so <laughs> I was feeling mischievous that day and tried to find a picture of Bill Cipher on Google Image saying happy birthday, but I couldn't. <laughs> do, do you know, I, like, before we get into talking about the show, the, the Bill Cipher fandom is a scary one, isn't it? I haven't really looked all that into it. Don't. Okay. Do not. I made the mistake 
we'll get to talking about this properly in a minute, but basically Bill is like the main series villain and he's a weird triangle demon guy. And um, the internet really likes to put him in human form and have him canoodling with Dipper like a lot. Ew. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Come on, Dipper's a kid. Yeah, well, a lot of the a lot of the fan art I've seen, he's he's not a kid anymore. <clears throat> um, oh God! <laughs> the internet's a scary, scary place, and um, yes, yeah. So just let's avoid that, and let's just talk about the show proper, uh, which is amazing. Yes. So yeah, me and Rich. I've been meaning to watch it for a while because I have seen the odd episode and thought it was seemed really up my street. But I'd heard it was quite continuity heavy, so I thought, right, I've got to watch this in order. Let's get my shit together. We had a little gap in our, you know, watching schedule because a lot of shows finished over the summer. And so, yeah, we decided to watch it. I think like my hubby loves it as well, absolutely loves it. But I think of the two of us, I just, like, yeah, went bananas. On my birthday, I watched 12 episodes, the last 12 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Rich was like, are you sure you don't want to do something else? It's your 31st birthday. And I was like, no, shut up, put the next one on. <laughs> I love it so much. While your husband slyly looks at the cake he was going to buy and just throws it in the garbage. Oh <laughs> No, he liked it too. It's fine. No, I know. I know. <laughs> the thing is, it's totally coincidental that you and I chose to like finally watch the show at the same time. Mm-hmm. And, but it's like, it's the best coincidence because we were like, like, I was a bit ahead of you on it, so there were things I so wanted to ask you about, what you thought about. I'm like, I don't know if she's seen that yet. Ah. <laughs> well, you can ask away now. I know. That's why I asked you to do this podcast. So I know. <laughs> well, the, the only thing I will say, though, is I think it's really unfair of you and all the other people on the internet who are encouraging me to watch it not to tell me about the spider people in Series 2. That's rude, guys. Rude. I forgot about your spider phobia. Honestly, that was the worst thing I've ever seen in my life, but thanks. <laughs> That was the one when Dipper was flirting, right? Is that yeah. episode? Flirting with all the girls. That was <laughs> so adorable. Anyway, uh, we're really like skitting around, <laughs> which I realise is a terrible idea. So let's talk about overall feelings about the show before we dive into our favourite episodes. So what was it that got you hooked straight away? Well, we should probably just say what the show is about. Uh, it's about these uh, 12-year-old off. These twelve-year-old twins, Dipper and Mabel, uh, are sent to go live with their great-uncle at his mystery shack in Gravity Falls, Oregon. Dipper finds he's looking for an adventure, and Mabel just wants to have a wacky good time meeting boys and stuff. And uh, Dipper discovers this, this uh, journal that has, like, it talks, this mysterious author talks about all these secrets and, and weird stuff that happens in Gravity Falls. And uh, so the first thing that happens to them is that uh, Mabel meets this mysterious boy that first Dipper thinks is a zombie, and then it turns out to be a bunch of gnomes standing on each other's shoulders. <laughs> so good. <laughs> they they have adventure, and uh, every, like Dipper saves Mabel, and Dipper decides he wants to find out the secret of this the secrets of this town. And so it closes with with uh, Great Uncle or Grunkle Stan typing in this code into their vending machine and a secret door opening to a hidden part of the mystery shack. So you know there's something up with him too. Dun dun dun. Indeed. So I got hooked just because of that, just because it was a really fun pilot episode. I liked that there was going to be a lot of mysteries. And then a few episodes progressed, and you really start to really like the characters and the fun that they're having. And then I think it was like the fourth episode with the first appearance of the Time Traveler. Mm -hmm. No, not the fourth episode, but it's like 
I don't know. It was, it was a few episodes in where you realized that uh, it was like the ninth episode. I was really, really like it up until then. But like the ninth episode, they um, run into this time traveler and you realize that they've actually been planting seeds like this whole time to show that this time traveler, his name is Blendon, has been appearing like the whole series throughout. And uh, then you're like, oh, wow, they've really put some thought and some effort into this series. So I am definitely going to be sticking around. Yeah, I think for me, it was like after the first episode, that ending of Grunkle Stan going down the, the steps behind the vending machine, I was just like, what? Immediately, I was like, I need to know what's happening there. So it had me completely hooked. But like you say, I think it's the layers that the show has. Like there's a lot of a lot of stuff that happens. Like, for example, what you mentioned with them um, blending and him you know, bits and bobs appearing in the previous episodes. I actually didn't notice any of that until after I watched the episode with him in and I went back and watched the first couple and I was like, holy crap, look what's going on in the background and I didn't even know. Oh, it's so clever. This is one of those shows that you watch the whole way through just one time and then you go back to watch it again to see everything that, they, uh, that they're that they hinting about because Bill Cipher doesn't actually appear until like the like the 15th episode or something like that mm -hmm. but he's hinted at through the entire series including a brief flash in the opening credits yes oh those opening credits i mean if ever there was an absolutely perfect theme tune for a show it's this i think oh yeah very much I love it so I've, much. I've, I've just played it on like loop like a dozen <laughs> times just because i love how it goes and if i if i was the kind of person who didn't keep their phone on silent all the time it would definitely be my current ringtone i'm absolutely in love with it and i think the animation really helps as well because there's something like it's incredibly cute but at the same time it's it's well scary when it wants to be <laughs> oh yeah like i mean bill himself is one of the scariest things that's ever been on television i don't know if you agree but i think he's nightmare inducing <laughs> he is pretty Pretty scary I and mean, he's bill is literally if you have to look at a dollar bill he's the triangle with the eye on the top of the pyramid on a dollar bill mm -hmm. with a top hat and cane and hands and legs and he talks with this like his high like not high pitch but kind of a lightly toned reverberating voice mm -hmm. so he seems kind of friendly but kind of off-putting and until he really gets into it you're just like and you're like, okay, he's, you know, he's no good, but, and then you realize, oh, wait, no, he's just no good. <laughs> yeah, it was his voice that sold me on him immediately, because it's like you say, it's it's not wrong, but it's not completely right. <laughs> like, you hear it, and you think, well, that sounds like a normal person voice, but also not, not really. And it's just that ever so slight offness that just ruins your life. <laughs> Like um, I may I may or may not have had at least one Bill-related nightmare since <laughs> finishing watching the show, and I am indeed a grown woman. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, like this show only went forty episodes. It only it takes place over the course of one summer, and it was the creator Alex Hirsch ended it at that point because he didn't want it to just drag on and on forever. He just wanted the story to end. Mm. He wanted it to be the story he wanted to tell. And just that to be it and there's a few brief spells where it was like a weekly show but um disney xd was pretty cool about just letting him air the episodes when they finished the episode rather than trying to rush anything so the show went from 40 episodes between june 15th 2012 and february 15th 2016 i would absolutely not have coped with watching it uh sort of in real time because apparently there was like a month gap between the final three episodes and that would have straight up murdered me <laughs> Yeah, there was a month between part between one each. and two, yeah. and then part, like a, uh, a month and a half, no, two and a half months between. Ooh, that's crazy. I would absolutely have been chomping at the bit for it. I've I got to say, I do think this is a good program for binging. 
because um, I, I like it's. I suppose it's one of those ones where if it was like weekly, I think the suspense would have been just enough to like not kill me, but have me really intrigued. But yeah, waiting two and a half months, I might have actually murdered someone to try and find out what was going on. <laughs> well, I'm glad I live here. And you, and you know, you know what? That's Bill Cipher talking. You know, Stacy wouldn't murder people. No, I absolutely wouldn't. I think I was talking to Rich about this the other day and I was saying that one of the main reasons I took to this show like really quickly is because um, Mabel is almost exactly like I was when I was about 10, 12-ish, you know, before I got tinged with, you know, uh, adult cynicism and whatnot in that she just like... She's just ludicrously uh, enthusiastic and silly and uh, and just loves having a bit of fun and wears, like, ludicrous jumpers. The, the characters are, like, they're a bit ridiculous, but they're also, like, completely relatable. Like, I saw so much of myself in Mabel that I was immediately, like, in love with her, which is a bit narcissistic, but oh well. <laughs> um, you know, Dipper's, like, like inquisitiveness and his quest for, you know, finding out what's going on in the town is actually, like, a, a trait that I sort of have, unless things become dangerous, in which case I don't want any part of it, <laughs> because danger is scary. But, like, I think all of the characters in it have such good development and, like, you know, the main go- the main characters all have such, like, like important arcs like even Seuss gets some really good like backstory and stuff that just makes you want to like oh give him a massive cuddle so yeah Yeah. like the Dipper and Mabel they're as different as they are they're still twins and they Mm -hmm. have that bond that you really only see in twins that loyalty that not like even close siblings don't really have and um like you said like there's a lot like you said how um she's got that enthusiasm and bound for life before adulthood starts creeping up on them which they actually deal with at the end of the show because they're about to turn 13 and as excited as dipper is to grow up mabel is suddenly kind of really depressed by it Mm. and uh they did a really good job with Dipper's crush on Wendy. Yes. Yeah. We, uh, the 15 year old girl who works at uh, Stan's Mystery Shack. And like they have a, they they handle it really well. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have a very, Wendy and Dipper do have a real close friendship that if they were closer in age or maybe later on in their lives, something more could become of it. But they're just, Wendy's just too old for him right now. And they did a really good job addressing that when, in one of those time travel episodes, when little Wendy saw Dipper and thought he was cute and he actually got made really, felt really uncomfortable. (laughs) And then he suddenly realized why Wendy always felt weird. That was one of the things I was going to bring up when I talk about one of my favorites, simply because I think the way they handled him sort of, sort of expressing his feelings to her and then her reaction was brilliant because most other shows and movies and stuff would just have like guy gets girl regardless of whatever because they've been through some stuff don't you know and so of course they're gonna get together and that's how you know hollywood and whatever works so i thought it was really nice that they had like a really mature sort of approach to it where wendy was just sort of like do you know what you're a great guy and i think you know our friendship is amazing and i don't want to ruin it but i just don't like that's not what i want from it and, and dip is a bit sad and then it and then it's fine and i was like oh that's so good are you sick of piles of owls constantly blocking your driveway well then you gotta get out trowel the thing about it is is that it does always sort of leave itself open to the idea of the kids going back for a different summer but yeah, I'm happy with the way it went because the the example that I usually cite when I'm arguing this point is How I Met Your Mother, which is a, a, a show that, like, for the first, like, few seasons, I was in love with that programme. Like, it couldn't put a foot wrong. 
I absolutely adored it. But then, like, each season, as it got to the end, I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, when do we get to meet the shitting mother? And it just dragged on for so long, and they kept getting season after season. And then the last series being, like, 22 episodes, but set over, like, one weekend. There was so much goddamn filler. Like, I was going crazy. Like, the episode, there's an episode where Marshall uh, is trying to get to the wedding, and he has to get, like, loads of public transport because, I don't know, trains keep breaking down and whatever. And it's done entirely in rhyme and it's completely unnecessary and I was so cross at the end of the episode because I was like where is the fucking mother I was going mad so I think at least with this like you can tell that Alex Hirsch had an idea and he knew exactly where he was going and how he was getting there and he just did it and also somebody needs to give that man a fucking voice acting award of some sort because he plays so many different characters in it and they've all got such different voices it's crazy I had no idea for the most part like it was only when I started doing some digging because I was like who is this you know who's voicing this guy that I realised that he does like basically half the town <laughs> you're like holy crap yeah um, he does Stan and Seuss of the main mm-hmm. cast and Jason Ritter does Dipper Kristen Shaw does Mabel and Linda Cardellini does Wendy mm-hmm. but for the most part with the exception of like celebrity guest stars and stuff like that of which there are many mm-hmm. he does yeah most of the voices yeah it was the fact that he does like Stan and then Old Man McGucket and I was like how is that even they're not even oh he's so good and it's also kind of cool that he based a lot of the of the cast and stuff on like growing up like like Dipper and Mabel Mabel are based on him and his twin Mm -hmm. Stan is based on their grandfather Suits is based on one of his his, uh, friends from growing up and Gravity Falls is I think if you do like the latitude and longitude is like the same latitude and longitude of the town that he used to go to to visit his grandfather with his sister that's adorable yeah and uh, you were saying how it's great that Alex Hirsch ended it when he did but also a lot of props must go to Disney for saying for letting him yeah because Disney could say "Uh, no you're making us buckets of money keep this going for eternity and uh they agreed i mean whether it was disney xd who did that or whatever you know i salute you because like you were saying with how you met your mother or like you know another great show with a with a mystery was lost and by the time that show ended a lot what was okay what was once one of the most influential tv shows its legacy is now tv shows said don't worry we're not going to be lost <laughs> and you know you laugh but it happens all the time it's like, don't worry, we have an ending to this mystery, so stick with our show. Yeah, no, I mean, I've got to admit, I never watched Lost because I watched, I think, two episodes and just went, ugh, this isn't for me. But <laughs> but I do, um, yeah, I do think Gravity Falls definitely, definitely ended when it should have, as much as I'm sad to not have any more to watch because I was chairing down like I think it took me two weeks which considering you know uh I work you know five days a week that's that's actually not a long time to devour that many episodes I I watched like a bunch of it and then like this is like the week I, I was I was getting into it, it as like the weekend I was going up to Baltimore for Baltimore Comic Con. I had eight episodes left, so whenever there were co- like cosplayers coming by, I'm like, I love your costume, like, but I'm like eight episodes away. Please don't tell me what happens. <laughs> and like, I actually like in between like dinner and the bar one night, I actually went up to my hotel room and just watched three episodes because I couldn't. I'm like, this is ridiculous, but this show is so amazing. And uh, I actually watched, I actually finished it up at the airport on my uh, waiting to like, fly home. Uh, it helped that like I was, I figured I'd just watch a couple of episodes while I was eating at the airport, and then like watch the rest when I got home. My plane was like an hour and a half late, so I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna keep watching these till the plane gets here. <laughs> 
oh, that sounds like a brilliant way to spend your time in an airport, to be fair. It was great. I do think it's, um, what I do like about it as well is that the fandom around it are really good at not telling you things about it. Like, um, aside from me right now telling everyone everything, <laughs> it's actually, um, unless you go hunting for it, it's actually quite hard to find spoilers for Gravity Falls on the internet. And like when I sort of announced that I was going to start watching it, like none of my friends that watched it told me anything except, oh, cool, blind me, can't wait till you finish to talk to you about it. So that's really nice. It seems to be the only thing in the world that people don't want to spoil. I know. <laughs> And it was like we had like a five person conversation the couple of days before or we know it was your birthday mm-hmm. where we were talking we had it was a really in-depth conversation that didn't actually spoil anything or even really like talk about a lot of things because it was we were like okay Stacy hasn't seen this or has she seen this I don't know exactly where she is so that was one of the reasons why I wanted to finish watching it like fairly quickly partly because it was my birthday so I can do what I want um <laughs> but <laughs> but also because I was like so itching to talk to you all about it properly but then as soon as I finished I thought well I can't do this on Twitter because because that will ruin it for anyone else looking at this uh, Twitter feed. Although I will, fair play, warn people about spider people because I don't think that's fair. <laughs> I told my mate at work, Joe, uh, the following day because he's been pushing me to watch it for ages. In fact, like when it was finishing in February, he was like, oh God, what am I going to do when this show ends? And I was like, calm down, mate, it's just a cartoon. And <laughs> now I wish I could go back to like past me and go, shut up, you don't know what you're talking about. It's not just a cartoon. It's amazing. But yeah, even back then, like he didn't tell me anything about it because, uh, you know, he's nice like that. But um, I, I spoke to him after the Spider People episode. I spoke to him and I was like, Joe, did you not feel like that was something you'd want to share with the person you had to rescue from a spider in the ladies' toilet? <laughs> he was like, um, well, I thought it was best you just discovered it by yourself in case you decided to skip the episode because it's quite important. And I was like, is it though? Is it? Yeah, it probably is. But... <laughs> <gasps> spider people though bleh, bleh. can we talk about the horror in gravity falls because yes the um i keep saying like that i'm surprised it it got to be on a kid's show on a kid's channel even but the thing that the one episode that struck me the most for that was the um the one where pacifica northwest's mansion gets haunted mm-hmm. and there's a scene in that where they go into a trophy room with all these like stuffed animal heads on the walls and then their eyes start bleeding and stuff and i was just like oh my god this is nightmare fuel <laughs> That's when I realised that this show was, like, straight-up amazing because they managed to do everything just on the cusp of being too scary, if that makes sense. Like, if I'd have been a 12-year-old watching that, I'd have been scared, but it wouldn't have been like, oh, great, now you're going to have to pay for a thousand years of therapy for me, scared. <laughs> and, like, it's just enough to make you, like, brick it a bit. But because I'd, I'd love to know what kids think of this show. I don't know any children that watch it. I really want to know. I might force some of my family members to watch it and see what they think. All the children in my family are too young. Like, my nieces are only three and one, and she only likes ponies. So There's an episode of The Unicorn. No, maybe that one. No, I mean My Little Pony specifically. Oh, is that it? Oh, fair play. See, I've got some cousins who are like six, I think, but I don't know whether that's a bit too young. I don't know. It might be. I don't know. This is why I don't want to have kids, because I'd be the one showing them Rick and Morty when they were like five and thinking it was acceptable. (laughs) I don't know how to adult. Yeah, I'd be really intrigued if any listeners have shown their kids or kids in their family this show. I'd be really intrigued to find out what they think about the the scary bits, because the fact that I had a nightmare about Bill Cipher is a bit telling, but I am a bit rubbish. So that could just be me. And there's also that episode. They had a couple of one 
episode a season they had like uh like episode of vignettes like three short stories and in the second one it ends with stan like preserving the listener in a in a uh yes. in a display case and i'm like what is this cask of amontillado crap going on here this is dark it's <laughs> terrifying oh my god yeah that was weird wasn't it yeah. i keep forgetting that episode existed because it's a bit strange it's even a little t- too dark for something to, for stan to do too i mean he's a, he's admittedly a criminal and everyone knows it but his crimes are all fairly not murder yeah i was just gonna say perhaps perhaps the the viewer person maybe was supposed to think that they were like a monster of some sort and he's actually doing the world a favor but it doesn't give you that impression at all does it um, i wonder what the code at the end of that episode is i might look that up later because maybe that helps uh, <laughs> i don't know make you feel better about stan <laughs> oh nice and in the, in the other mystery, uh, in the other vignette episode, that was one of their falling down the bottomless pit. Mm-hmm. Like there's something, it, it's another one of those things where like uh, things like lead back from other episodes. It was um, like something like gets like randomly just gets thrown into the pit, like just from nowhere, just gets sucked in and like, well, that's lost forever. And like three episodes later is when they're in Stan's memories. And they're remembering going to the to the bottomless pit, and like they throw something from his memory into the pit, and that was the thing. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Holy crap! Oh, this show's just too good. Oh no, I'm going to have to watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> I've got so much of the stuff on my to watch list at the moment, but all I want to do is just rewatch Gravity Falls. That's yeah. terrible, but it's true. We've rambled for quite a long time, so I feel like we should probably move on to our top threes. Now that we're alone, Rosanna. There's a burning question which my heart longs to ask of you. Oh, Reginald. Hey! Wanna hear a joke? Here goes. My ex-wife still misses me, but her aim is getting better. Her aim is getting better. You see, it's... It's funny because marriage is terrible. Well, because I'm kind and you're my guest, I'll um I'll let you go first with your top three. Okay. Well, we've talked a lot about how um these episodes have a lot of like you know a lot of continuity and a lot of depth and stuff like that. The show also had a lot of humor, and so I wanted to pick one episode that was mostly a comedy for my for one of my top three. So that would be the Stancherian Candidate. Stan runs for. Uh, mayor of gravity falls because um it was either him or gideon's dad and uh he didn't want gideon's dad to be taking over the town and be terrible so he runs but he's a terrible campaigner like he's ta- he, he just says like the f- <laughs> it's hilarious but it's the least you want to hear somebody say like he talks about like uh kids not being like kids need to learn on the streets or like getting need to get beaten up more to learn oh no no it was he would teach kids to swear that's what he was trying to do <laughs> and like so dipper and mabel get this mind control device from um their other uncle and they use it to make stan the perfect candidate and he's eventually like a great campaigner he's a great debater and like the gravi- the way Gravity Falls mayors are elected is they throw birdseed at the can <laughs> the candidate they like during a debate, and an eagle will come out and eat the, gra- the birdseed <laughs> from the candidate <laughs> with, the- <laughs> with the most birdseed and the winner and. <laughs> And so while Stan's mind, the, the the mind control device breaks and Stan is um, losing the debate, Gideon has trapped uh, Dipper and Mabel in, uh, at the top of this at the top of this mountain and they're falling 
It was, it was like a statue or something like there, like mm-hmm. a mountain carving or something. And they're falling and Stan sees kids. And so he, he like leaps from the podium, just runs up and climbs the mountain. And so everyone's like, oh, Stan's great. He loves his grandkid or grandniece and nephew. And so they're throwing birdseed to help cushion their fall. And Stan ends up being voted mayor. But he's end up being impeached because of his extensive criminal record, which includes... I, for, I forget all the crimes, but one of them was a crime he invented called burgle besselment <laughs> and, and first-degree llamacide. And Stan's just sitting there shaking his hand going, that llama knew too much. <laughs> I do love this episode. I think it's great. When when I was trying to come up with my top three, uh, I ended up with more of a top sort of 22 that, <laughs> that I had to sort of whittle down. And so I decided to discuss it with Rich and see what he thought. And he immediately ruled out all episodes with Gideon because he likes him so little, which I thought was rude. Because I think this episode's great and writing it off just because little Gideon's in it is... Uh... A bit ludicrous, I think, because um, it has like just the idea of them voting for their mayors by bird seed. <laughs> it's such a stupidly wonderful idea, and so Gravity Falls. That's what I love about it. Is it just seems like exactly what they do? Like, of course they do that. Like, I heard a few more than a few people have said Gravity Falls is like Twin Peaks for children, and that is such a Twin Peaks esque kind of weirdness. It doesn't make any sense, but it makes sense in the. Cl- you know, within the confines of this town. Mm-hmm. So, is this uh, an episode where we find out that Gideon's working with Bill too, or am I jumbling things up in my noggin? This is close enough to the end that I think he decides to make the deal with Bill because Bill's made the offer, and this is where he agrees. Right. Ugh, Bill. Ugh. <laughs> Bill genuinely terrifies me. I'm going to be saying this like all the time. <laughs> But he really does. Because um, number three in my top three was um, Sock Opera, which is uh, episode four of series two, which for a start, like almost immediately had me warm to it because within the, the first three minutes, Mabel comes out with the absolute greatest chat up line I've ever heard in my life, <laughs> which was, hey, guess who's Mabel? I am. Care to learn more? <laughs> which, <laughs> which I just think is the best thing anyone's ever said to anyone else ever. And then she completely unceremoniously falls off the book cart that she was riding in on. It's wonderful. Um, <laughs> so this episode is about Mabel falls for a puppeteer chap who she meets at uh, Gravity Falls Library because he was singing songs to kids about literacy using puppets. And um, she chats him up and accidentally uh, agrees to... Well, not agrees to. She tells him that she's doing a puppet show like in the following week and it's going to have original songs, tons of puppets and pyrotechnics. So she's going off to sort of set all that business up to try and win the heart of this uh, handsome puppeteer whilst um, Deeper's getting frustrated because they've obtained a laptop that might help him in his quest to figure out what's going on in Gravity Falls but they can't get the password to it and the thing I loved about this episode is that it's got the perfect balance of humour and absolute sheer horrendous terrifyingness because it's a very Bill heavy episode. <laughs> because Mabel had promised to help Dipper and then gives up on her promise to try and chase around this handsome puppeteer guy, Dipper tries to get the password to the laptop by himself and he spends a lot of time basically at night doing it because during the day he's trying to help Mabel make sock puppets and what have you. And so he's like, cream crackered and you know just doing a terrible job at coming up with this password and eventually it gets to a point where the laptop's gonna do a data wipe because he's put in too many incorrect guesses bill appears and says hey i can give you a clue to this laptop if you just give me a puppet 
And at first Dipper's like, no, you're all right, thanks, you're a bit weird. But then when it gets right down to it and the clock's running down and he's going to lose everything, he decides to take the deal. And, like, this whole scene where basically Bill rips Dipper's consciousness out of his body and just climbs on him there instead. And it's just like... The rest of this episode is terrifying to me. The idea of, like, being outside of your body watching somebody else do crazy shit to it, because Bill's got no concept. It's been so long since he's been in a physical form. He's got no concept of, like, how to do things or... And he purposefully goes around, like, harming Dipper's body anyway because he's an arsehole. So he's, like, slamming his hand in drawers and, like, like just throwing himself down the stairs instead of walking down them because why not? And, and this entire time, this... Bill version of Dipper, which uh, Mabel names Bipper, <laughs> um, has terrible, like, yellowy, slitty eyes, and they're really scary. <laughs> and he's speaking in Bill voice, and I hate it so much. But, the, like, the, it's just so perfect, because the whole puppet stuff is so much fun. And then you've got, like, Bill just being a manipulative arsehole and just, like, ruining Dipper's life and almost, you know... Like, I don't know how long Dipper could be outside of his body for. I don't, I didn't, maybe I've missed that. I don't know. But like, it's just really, really grim and sad. But the thing that got me the most about this episode is the fact that Bill, once, as soon as he's in Dipper's body, he smashes the laptop that he's been trying to get all the clues from. But it turns out that in smashing the laptop, he actually does give Dipper a clue because in smashing it, that's when, when Dipper realizes that it was made by McGucket. And that, that, like, it terrifies me the idea that Bill is that fucking horrible but still a man of his word like oh he's so creepy oh no i hate him let's talk about something else uh sock puppets they're good aren't they (laughs) mabel does a wonderful song as well about herself of course but if i can find a nice version of i might try and chop it in because it just had me crying laughing she's doing this whole play about how much she loves gabe the puppeteer and honestly i was i was laughing so hard and then of course like bipper turns up and makes everything terrifying again oh it's so good time really deciding if uh which one of these i wanted to talk about first i've ultimately decided to talk about my third episode last you'll see for a reason but my next episode is not what he seems and uh 
uh, Stan kind of tells the kid, the kids are playing outside one day and he tells, he's, he, Stan looks like he wants to tell them something and he kind of backpedals on it. And these two government agents have been coming through town investigating some things and Dipper had been trying to help them earlier and uh, Stan eventually put the kibosh on that. But then they come to, they come to arrest Stan and McGucket had warned Dipper that the, the apocalypse was coming soon. And suddenly, like the and the stuff that the thing that um, Stan had working on in the basement started rumbling and shaking and causing all sorts of chaos and weird weirdness and stuff. And Dipper feels like oh, and they the kids find this thing that's uh, this newspaper clipping that said local man Stan Pines dies in car accident drifter to suspected, and it's a photo of Stan. Mm-hmm. And Dipper is convinced that the guy they they think is Grunkle Stan is not him, and Mabel refuses to believe that their uncle is a bad guy. And so it comes down to the end, like at the very last few minutes of the episode, things are going crazy down in the basement um, where they found the kids found the portal finally. And uh, Stan says, I was, what I wanted to tell you is you're going to hear some bad things about me, but some of them are true. Some of them are going to be true, but believe me when I tell you that I'm still, you know, I'm still your uncle. I still love you. And please trust me, don't close the portal now. And Mabel is like wrestling with conscience. Dipper's telling her she's got to do it. And she eventually decides to trust Stan and not shut it down. And Dipper's ter- worried that the world is going to be destroyed now. And Stan says, this is the reason I've been working down here, why I've been studying all this stuff down here. I know that there's all this weirdness going on in Gravity Falls. And the reason I've been doing all this is to rescue him, my twin brother, Stanford, and an identical Stan walks out of the portal. The only difference is this Stan has six fingers and he's the author of the journals. And as this episode is going, I'm like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. Is it like, we've got to be close to the end. It turns out we're only like halfway through the second season. There's so <laughs> yep. much more to go. And I'm like, because I'm like, it was like getting late on a Sunday. I'm like, do I want to just finish it off? Uh, so I, I IMDb'd. I'm like, oh, there's like 10 more episodes. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> And so, but I'm like, is this just building up and building up and building up? Like, what is going on? What is going to happen with this portal? Why is all this happening? And then you, have, you learn that, like, Stan isn't involved in some great big conspiracy or anything like that. It, he wasn't trying to destroy the world or destroy Gravity Falls or anything. His sole purpose of everything he's done for, like, most of his adult life was to rescue his brother. This episode would have been my number one if you hadn't already said you were going to put it on your list. <laughs> because, like... It's a fucking emotional roller coaster. <laughs> when the kids find the little paper snippety thing that's like, oh, Stan Pine's dead in car crash, I was like, oh my God, what am I watching? Of course, like, your brain automatically starts trying to come up with, like, what's going on and, you know, who is he then and stuff because they find all these, like, fake IDs with different names and, oh my gosh, my brain was going, like, ten to the dozen. On top of that, you've got all the weird shit happening and then you're thinking, is he trying to start an apocalypse? Like, what? Is he who we think he actually is? and my brain just went like numb and then that fucking cliffhanger of an end it's hard to talk about this episode without talking a little bit about the next episode Mm -hmm. tale of two stanzas i'll do really really quick but uh you learn like stan stan lee the guy we've known as as uncle stan for this whole time and stan ford his twin used to be really close but stan was was kind of a delinquent and not not too bright while stanford was super genius and Stan wanted to go exp- go adventuring with his twin brother while his brother had the opportunity to go, you know, on a full ride scholarship to the smartest science colleges in the world. And the night before his project was going to be judged, Stan accidentally broke it and it caused this rift between the two of them. They didn't talk for years. 
until the day that um, Stanford calls his twin to Gravity Falls and says, hey, I know I haven't seen you in 10 years. I need you to take this thing and run. And he's like, well, this is ridiculous what's going on. He accidentally triggers the portal and Stanford gets sucked into it. And his guilt makes him want to stay the whole time and, and get his get his brother back because, like I said, they were really close. And it's one of those things that, like, Mabel and Dipper were a little worried, like they were really close like us once. And now they, you know, now they don't really like each other. Well, that happened to us. And you get, and um, it's something that reverberates throughout the whole se- the whole rest of the series. Mm-hmm. And there was, there's hints that go back to the second episode, like Stan's boat was called the Stan O'War. And uh, that was the boat that the two twins had built when they were kids. Oh. And, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so the reason that like Stan Pines had died in the car accident was because he needed to, f- he had to fake his own death to take over his brother's identity because they thought everyone thought he was Stanford. So he changed his name to Stanford, faked his death, and stood living in Gravity Falls at the Mystery Shack. I was not expecting this, <laughs> like at all. It um this this episode sort of comes at you from like nowhere. Well, not nowhere. Like obviously, you know, Stan's got shit going on. But um, as soon as he's like, I think. I think as soon as this episode finished, I just tweeted, whoa, shit just got real in Gravity Falls. <laughs> and that's where we all started talking about the rest of the series. Because, like, up until that point, I thought this show was, like, amazing anyway. But that just tipped it into, like, pure obsession for me because it was so well written and so well paced and, like, so well acted and, and animated. Like, everything about that episode just was, like, the culmination of a bunch of, like, awesome stuff that made even more awesome stuff. You learned that McGucket was actually working with Stanford and he willingly that's why he had his mind erased so that he mm-hmm. wouldn't know anymore about the crazy like the portal was actually kind of driving him a little bit nuts so he like Stanford helped him erase his memory just yeah tons of tons of stuff in those two episodes oh and then they erased they used the memory eraser to get the feds off of Stan's back <laughs> yeah I feel bad for those feds because I quite liked them <laughs> Well, one of them was Nick Offerman, so... Yeah, how can you not like him? <laughs> and Stanford is voiced by J.K. Simmons. Yes! Oh, he's so amazing. I wasn't expecting to uh, like Ford as much as I did, because you don't get to, um, you know, he's only in the latter, like, what, half of Series 2, if that much. So I was thinking, like, there's no way I'm going to, like, warm to him as much as everyone else. But, like, by the end of the series, like, him and Stan... They're just the best. I want like a I want a series of them just going off adventuring, please. <laughs> I don't think that would ever happen, but I would love it. But yeah, this episode was just like, yep, yeah, that, that's it. I'm sold. This is the greatest cartoon that's ever existed. <laughs> I don't know how to go into talking about my second one now because I've really bigged up that one you just mentioned, but I'll try. <laughs> so my my second choice was um Into the Bunker, which is episode two of series two. All of mine have come from series two and I feel quite bad about that, but I just think it's better. Like mine se- too. series one is amazing, but series two is like even more so. So this is the episode in which in the previous episode they discover that if they use a black light on the journal, there's like hidden notes and messages and things in there. And because of that they find out where they find clues to how to find the hidden bunker that belongs to the author. And um, 
there's some really great bits in this episode. Like, there's a brilliant bit at the start, like, just dialogue-wise, where um, Dipper's trying to convince Mabel that he doesn't fancy Wendy anymore, and she's like, hold on, while I just put on my sceptacles and puts her hat <laughs> over her eyes. <laughs> and she just keeps saying sceptacles at him, which I just think is brilliant. And there's also a cracking bit where she makes up a rhyme. I can't remember exactly what it is, but it's something along the lines of, when you want to solve a mystery, just come and ask your sister, and then Zeus tries to do one himself and he's like when you want to when you need a Zeus I don't know (laughs) he's so adorable so Dipper, Mabel, Zeus and Wendy go down into this hidden bunker and there's loads of crazy crap in there Probably a lot of stuff I've missed as well that like relates to other episodes, so I'm going to have to watch it again. Um, but the main thing that happens down there is they come across this um, Experiment 210, which is a shape-shifting monster thing, which is, I mean, like, he appears at first as like this just mysterious old guy voiced by Mark Hamill, which is amazing. And Wendy and Dipper think he's the the author and then he just starts like morphing into all sorts of horrendous monsters trying to get hold of the uh of the journal to try and you know sort his life out there's so much good stuff in here like i know you're gonna kick me for this because i know you love wendy but i wasn't sold on wendy until series two because she doesn't get to do much in series one there's a lot of episodes where she's pretty much just standing about in the shack and then the odd episode in series one where she actually does get to do stuff she's not really like the hero of the piece whereas in this one like she's like shimmying up trees and like kicking all kinds of ass and just being a total badass i was like oh yes wendy has definitely like risen the ranks of my my favorite characters in it now i like that i got stuck in the room with the monster because um mabel pushed dipper into that little <laughs> closet with wendy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh it's so adorable because she's just i love how mabel is like completely well-intentioned but often does really silly stuff because she doesn't she's very um optimistic and so she doesn't think that anything bad can come of shoving dipper in a closet with wendy and having him tell her all of his feelings for her she just thinks they're gonna end up being together and getting married and having babies and it's so cute her optimism whereas uh, instead they get attacked by like a huge monster <laughs> the thing about this monster that like really scared me was there's a bit where it morphs into like a weird amalgamation of Dipper and Mabel with giant spider legs. And I'm just like, get out of town. This is absolutely horrendous, terrifying. Oh my God, stressed me out so hard. <laughs> it also but... turned into Groot. <laughs> Did it? Yeah, when it was hanging from the ceiling. One of its shapes was Groot. Oh my God, I didn't notice that. Oh, now I'm, oh no, I'll have to watch it again. <laughs> the uh, And the, the other great thing about this episode as well is, as we mentioned before, it's a really good one for sort of addressing Dipper's feelings for Wendy and having Wendy address those in a really mature um, manner. I really liked this episode because, again, it's another one that's got like a lot of humour in it. Like Mabel's light bulb jumper is the greatest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> You know, there's a lot of like really good like one-liners and stuff. There's lots of exciting bits. There's lots of like scary bits, and then there's some really like heartfelt bits at the end. So yeah, it gets all of my thumbs up. And this uh, is where they find the laptop too. Yes, it is. Yes, I know. I jiggled about uh, the episodes a bit, which is uh, terrible. But um, I think the the thing I like about this as well is that Zeus says he's going to go off and um fix the laptop, and I really like the fact that he's like really good at. At fixing things and stuff because he can come off in some episodes as being a bit daft and so you do worry like what's he even bringing to the group in some situations like, i think there's an episode where they focus on the fact that he's a bit dense and he might be ruining stuff is that the one with the dinosaurs i forget now yeah i think so yeah yeah so it's nice to have him sort of you know be capable <laughs> 
but I do I, I absolutely adore Zeus like he's he's pretty much up there in my top as well I love him so much so yeah I, I really like this episode thumbs up thank you all for coming hey when there's a mystery you can count on your sister E <laughs> that's an amazing rhyme when you want some good when, when you need a Zeus you uh, oh, oh gosh I don't know okay so my third episode I, I was the fi- the finale of the show was called Weird Mageddon parts one two and three and I had a hard time picking between part two and three I ultimately chose three uh, now in Weird Mageddon Bill Cipher has managed to take over the town but thanks to the um, machinations of Stan and Ford he can't actually escape outside of Gravity Falls so while the apocalypse is happening in the bubble the rest of the world is safe. Furious Bill is trying to trying to uh, get because uh, Ford has the secrets to getting out locked in his head, and he um, and he won't give them because they're they're because they're safe in the mystery shack which they they protected. And there's like twelve random citizens who are in the shack. It's the main five: Pacifica, Wendy's friend Robbie. Yeah, multi. Yeah, some of the monsters are there, um, and it turns out that they all have a. Um, Ford knows this magic incantation that needed 12 people to hold hands in this thing. Uh, and they're all based on a symbol, the, some symbol that everybody have to stand on. And they do it, and it would send Bill back and save the day. And this is actually this is something that Bill hinted at the first time he saw met them all. He called them he called Dipper, Mabel, and Seuss the the pine tree, the shooting star, and the question mark, which mm-hmm. were their symbols on the thing. And there's what they were they had those items on their clothes at that particular moment in time when they were going to do the. Uh, the the incantation and it's about to work and Stan and Ford get into a fight and it ruins the thing and Bill is able to break through and things go he captures the kids he captures Stan and Ford and uh so Stan and Ford really have to, are forced to accept the fact that they like what happened to us we used to be as close as Dipper and Mabel and now all we do is fight Bill is threatening the life of the kids Ford says the only way we can do we can, we can save the kids is to let Bill take over my mind um and then and then erase it with the uh, with the erasing gun. And Stan says, "What about me?" And he goes, "No, he'd never know. You ha- you know, you'd have to have the the secrets." So they agree to let they agree to let Bill into Ford's mind. So they free the kids, and Bill enters a mind, and he realizes there's nothing in there but like the living room of the mystery shack, and it's Stan sitting there in his underwear watching TV. And uh, he says, "Oh, I do a pretty good Ford impression, huh?" And then uh, Ford shoots Stan with the with the mind eraser. And as his memories are fading away, he's looking – the last thing he sees is a picture of the, – the picture he's had of Dipper and Mabel in his office. He goes, I guess I was good for something after all. And then his memories are gone. And so he's like – Bill is Bill has been erased. Weird McGannon is over and and uh, Stan is just kind of sitting there and Mabel goes, you did it. You did it, Uncle Stan. You did it. And he's like, well, thank, thanks. Who are you? Like he just because can't remember anything. So they bring him back to the mystery shack and Mabel is desperate to fix his memory. So she's showing him all the scrapbooks she's been making the entire summer, and um, nothing's coming back until Waddles like sits on him and he gets mad at Waddles. They realize that they can actually bring his memory back. So Stan is saved, and the kids are throwing a great thirteenth birthday party, which they were, which Mabel was worried couldn't come together because no one was going to be around and he couldn't get the place, and high school is going to be awful. 
Wendy writes Dipper a letter. Says when you're feeling lonely, just read this. Or you feel like you miss Gravity Falls, read this. And so the kids take the bus back. For, for and Stan give Seuss control of the Mystery Shack while they go and have an adventure. And you see them in like a, a voiceover scene fighting a giant squid on the, <laughs> on the seas, which which Stan actually punches. <laughs> <laughs> Ford said that the, the mysteries of Gravity Falls were over, but there were there was a mystery spot somewhere else that needed investigation, somewhere like the Arctic Ocean. And so the the, the twins finally reconcile, and uh, at the end they're taking the bus back, and Dipper reads to the letter, and it says, "Come back anytime." And everyone in Gravity Falls assigned it. This episode is another punch in the heart, really, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, because I'm like, on one hand, I'm like. There's no way they're going to leave Stan just a vegetable. But on the other hand, I'm like, I don't know with this show, what they've done so far. Yeah, I've got to admit, the only thing I didn't like about this episode was I thought Stan came back a bit quickly. And it also didn't really address, like, I was, I even said to Rich afterwards, does that mean he could remember Bill back into existence? Well, what I look, I found out later is that that thing that Bill shouts out at the end, mm-hmm. as he's being erased, is a spell to make himself come back, like it's backwards talk or something like that. Oh. Yeah. Of course it is. It's Bill. Why am I even surprised? Yeah. yeah. The thing about this episode for me, because like the Weird Mageddon 2 almost made it onto my list as well. And the thing about about Weird Mageddon is that it, it is genuinely terrifying in that it's so weird. Um, Like that, that thing that's just a massive head lying on its side with a giant arm coming out the top that just drags itself around shouting at people to get in its mouth. It's so weird. And I believe voiced by Louis C.K., which is even stranger. Yeah. I mean, Bill, Bill is... The reason the townsfolk have to hide is because Bill has been having... One, like one of Bill's monsters is freezing them into statues and he's building a throne out of them. Fucking horrendous man (laughs) and so like the people who have managed to hide in the mystery shack are like the ones who just managed to get away which is something like i said ford had been prepping like this whole time he he, like there's like the episode you mentioned with the unicorn like they needed unicorn hair as part of this spell and stuff and so yeah ford knew that bill's an inevitability so he'd been preparing for him for a long time the ending to this episode is like both crazy sad and and slightly uplifting because it's really nice that Stan and Ford are now twinning about together again. There's that scene though where Waddles is trying to keep Mabel from getting on the bus and I was like, no. (laughs) I got genuinely stressed about that until Stan put Waddles on the bus and was like, no, he's going with you. This isn't fair. I was like, And speaking of of Twin Peaks, the bus driver was Kyle MacLachlan. I don't know a Twin Peaks, so that oh, means nothing. Kyle MacLachlan played the uh, FBI agent Dale Cooper, like one of the main characters on Twin Peaks. Oh. And he was like the outsider character on the show. Ah, oh, I see. Oh, I see all of all the little nods in this. And in kind of a, uh, in, I'm going to spoil a bit of Twin Peaks at the, the the season, the series finale of Twin Peaks. Dale went into the the Black Lodge to rescue his girlfriend, and he came out, and it seems like he's normal. That he looks in, you look, he looks into the mirror, and in his reflection is Bob, the evil the the evil entity that has been controlling people through Twin Peaks the whole time. The series ends with him looking in the mirror, seeing Bob, and Dale looking at the camera with his evil grin on his face. God, it sounds terrifying. I wonder if Twin Peaks is a thing I should watch. I should stop trying to add things to my to-watch list because it's already... It's one of those things. Um, watch the first three episodes. If you can get through the third episode and you're not, what the friggin' crap did I just watch? <laughs> and you're still into it, go for the rest. If you can't get through episode three, 
don't bother because you're going to hate it. Fair play. <laughs> and also because one of the things they mentioned was that Dale would be trapped in the Black Lodge for 25 years. Next year will be 25 years or so later after the end of Twin Peaks and they're doing a third season. Oh. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. With most of the original cast returning, except for like one guy who retired and like a couple of people have passed away. Oh, that's kind of amazing. So yeah, so that was, and yeah, Weird Mageddon 2 was, like I said, a close second. I, I had a really hard time, but because it was just a great character piece for Dipper and Mabel. Mm-hmm. I think that's why I liked it a lot. Like, when you look at my, my top few, it's it's all, you know, there's a lot of stuff where it, where there's a lot of character development and stuff. Like, you get to see a lot more of Wendy in Into the Bunker, and you get to learn a lot more about Mabel and, and Dipper's sort of twinny relationship in Sock Opera. My top episode that I went with, uh, because you stole not what he seems, <laughs> is another one that's that's got a lot of character development in it. It's um, Blending's Game which was series two, episode eight. That's the return of um, Justin Roiland's time-travelling character, Blendin. <laughs> Basically what happens is he's been sentenced to like, is it 10 squared life sentences in time something prison? Like something like yeah. that. For the time anomalies that occurred in the uh, initial episode he was in, in series one. And so he escapes. And when which, he to be gets... fair, we're Dipper and Mabel's fault. They, <laughs> yeah, they stopped Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, entirely their fault. So he he escapes from prison, and when he gets caught again, he he challenges the twins to something called Globnar, which is um a sort of uh created by the Time Baby. It's like a gladi- gladiatorial contest whereby the winner gets a time wish and gets to decide the fate of the person that they were fighting. Meanwhile, back in like the twenty first century, because that's all happening in like you know the way 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 future. Back in the 21st century, the kids discover that it suits his birthday by uh, rifling through his wallet, which contains emergency salami, which might be the funniest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> um, so they start throwing him a surprise birthday party and he gets really sad about it and they don't know why. Um, so to cheer him up, they decide to take him to laser tag because that's the thing he enjoys, apparently. Um, And while they're there, they get picked up by the Time Paradox Avoidance Enforcement Squadron. (laughs) Lolf and Dungren. (laughs) 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 In itself is just brilliant. And basically they get picked up so that that Blending can fight them in in Globnar. They steal uh, a time machine again and run around trying to escape. They go 10 years into the past accidentally. They're trying just to get back to Zeus at the laser tag place because they don't want to upset him by leaving him, but they end up going 10 years in the past. And it happens to be they happen upon Zeus's 12th birthday, so they decide to hang around and find out all the weird personal bits that causes him to hate his birthday. And uh, it turns out that it's because his 12th birthday was when he realised that his dad was never coming back. (laughs) He gets a postcard from his dad that just says like sorry champ I'm really busy I'll see you next year and he puts it into a shoebox full of other postcards that say pretty much exactly the same thing and that's why he hates hates his birthday (laughs) so the kids decide to give themselves up win Globmar and give the time wish to Seuss so that he can go and meet his dad which is the most adorable thing I've ever heard in my entire life so there's a a very short Globnar montage of fights and and stuff Uh, and the kids eventually win because they're lovely they decide to give Blendin his old job back and give him some beautiful hair which actually looks like a moustache on the top of his head but (laughs) that's neither here nor there and they give Seuss the time wish to say you know you can go and go back to your birthday and see your dad and it'll fix your birthdays forever but he instead decides to wish for the kids to get cleaned up and uh and and for a slice of infinite pizza because basically he's he's 
they've always been there for him and his dad hasn't, so he considers them family. And it's the most adorable thing I've ever seen. I am a bit of a sucker for dad-based stories. Not to, like, get everybody to get out the tiny violins, but I don't... I was going to say, I don't have the greatest relationship with my dad, but what I mean is I don't have any. I've met him once in my life that I can remember, and he wasn't great. So I always like I always find that stories about like absent dads or deadbeat dads or shit dads are uh, they always they always hit a bit close to home for me. And so um, I mean I was quite lucky because I was never like Seuss in the sense that my dad just literally never tried to contact us, so I had no concept really of missing him if that makes sense. But yeah, it like this episode because it just it 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 just. It sort of adds so much to Susie's character in that now you know why he's so loyal to the people who are close to him and, and why he's so uh, adorable. You find out how he gets the job at the shack, which happens to be uh, returning the screwdriver that Dipper used to fix the time machine, just as Stan happened to be sacking his previous handyman. <laughs> and so there's like so much in this episode that's like picking up on other stuff and developing Seuss and like punching me in the heart again. <laughs> Oh, it's so this good. was the episode where where Dipper and Mabel met five year old Wendy too. Yes, which is uh, I love that moment. Like because when I, I watched it earlier today, you know, for research, <laughs> um, uh, and when I was watching it, I thought that was absolutely perfect. Because I suppose until you're on the other side of something, you don't necessarily always see you know what other people are seeing so i can completely understand why dipper like you know he really likes wendy and he doesn't get why you know there's only three years between them like that's not that much but when you realize it's the difference between like you know uh, a teenager and a child <laughs> which i think he's on the cusp of turning like 13 at this point and i think he realizes that, oh yeah this is like hella creepy mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which is a great little moment and i thought it was ever so nice as well that um that you find out that like Wendy and Tambry have been friends for so long because mm-hmm. um, it's just nice to see all their relationships in the past and stuff. And uh, yeah, I could like Justin Royal and could be on the doing anything and I'd be happy. So, you know, that that's another reason why this episode gets put to, to the tippity top for me. I think it's great. And I love the time baby as well. He's ridiculous. <laughs> He's so ridiculous. I love him. I did want to uh, do some honourable mentions just because I feel like I gypped series one. But I do, th- I do think the final two episodes of series one, which was um, Dreamscaperers and Gideon Rises, were like really amazing as well. And if the series, like if the show had ended there, those would absolutely have been in my top. But then series two came roaring in all amazing and shit and uh, just kind of took it to the, you know, knocked it up to 12 gear so and also the last mabel corn just because uh, wendy gets proper feminist brilliant in that <laughs> <laughs> i love her in that episode she's just like no ah and just goes like running around being amazing but anyway yeah i love this show yeah definitely weird mcgeddon 2 is in my honorable mentions list um roadside attraction the one with dipper and his flirting <laughs> yeah see <laughs> that one would be fine if it weren't for the spider people <laughs> i just like how all the girls you've been flirting with just happen to show up at that one place <laughs> at the same time <laughs> while he's on his really uncomfortable date with, with uh, candy mm-hmm. i'm a really big fan of boss mabel as well i think that episode's great uh, i like the one where they're uh where they're hanging out with the uh in the in the old abandoned convenience store and the ghosts who don't like teenagers are there. <laughs> <laughs> the inconvenient thing. <laughs> yeah. That's a brilliant episode. <laughs> it's, uh, Dipper has to do d- his little dance in that, in that oh, suit. little lamp dance. Oh, it's so cute. Uh, I did like the first time travel one. Mm-hmm. Um, God, there are a ton. I just, I, they're just really likable. Yeah. Um, 
I don't want to like mention like every episode because it would be ridiculous. <laughs> well, this is the thing. When I was talking to Rich about it, I said the, the thing about this show for me is that like if I were to actually sit and rank every episode, which would take me ages because holy crap, they're all really good. Like even the very bottom one, which would be like you know, 42 out of 42 is still really good because, like, I think I would put, like, the golf one at the bottom, maybe. But that doesn't mean necessarily it's bad. It's just that I think compared to all the rest of them, like, the others have more to them that I liked. But the golf one's not shit. It's really funny. (laughs) Oh, it's so difficult. Hey, give me a hand with this coffin, will you? I'm doing a memorial service for Wax Stan. Something small, but classy. Oh! Sorry, Grunkle Stan, but we've got a big break in the case. Break in the case! We're heading into town right now to interrogate the murderer. We have an axe! Ree! 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 Ah, this seems like the kind of thing a responsible parent wouldn't want you doing. Good thing I'm an uncle. Avenge me, kids! Avenge me! I'm going to move on to the listener emails, although I've only had one. Uh, from Michael Buddy Joe. So Joe says that Gravity Falls is possibly the greatest animated series that's ever graced the TV screens. Its style shifts effortlessly from humorous to intense to heartfelt to mysterious, all while ensuring that its wide cast of characters remain three-dimensional, charming and a joy to watch. I'm pretty sure that's what we've said, but just yes. more eloquently. He goes on to say that Dipper and Mabel are one of the most natural sibling relationships in cartoon television, in that they're kind to each other, defend each other, but when they fight, it's because of genuine personal differences and never seems contrived that's a point we didn't bring up but i do agree with in that there are i can't think of anything off the top of my head but there are some shows sometimes where i think supergirl's probably one of them the most recent ones i can think of where character traits just change like that for the need of the story like somebody will become really stupid for no good reason or somebody will become really angry for no like it's a complete swap about their character just to further like just to make a plot happen whereas with Dipper and Mabel, like when they when they do fight with each other, it seems genuine. And they are kids; they're allowed. Kids fight all the fucking time. Yeah, drive me crackers. Not just kids, but siblings. This is true. Yeah, I mean, me and my sister haven't fought for a while, but we don't live together anymore, so that's probably <laughs> it's most likely. Well, I don't know, man. I'm quite childish when I want to be. <laughs> Joe goes on to say that it's Dipper and Mabel's strong relationship that makes some of the most intense moments of the show even more compelling, such as when Mabel is conflicted in believing Stan or Dipper over the doomsday device in Not What He Seems, or the heartbreaking events in Dipper and Mabel versus the future. I forget which one that was. That was the one where uh, she's trying to plan their 13th birthday, and um, all she hears, like, her two friends can't make it to the party because they're going to be away, and Wendy tells her how bad high school's going to be, and she thinks she'll at least have Dipper with her, and then Ford offers Dipper an apprenticeship to go with him and stay in Gravity Falls. Yes. Oh, that one is heartbreaking. (laughs) Is that the one before Weird Mageddon as well, where... Yeah, that's the one that leads into... That's right before Weird Mageddon. Mm -hmm. uh, It's why Weird Mageddon 2 happens. Mm Mm-hmm. Weird Mageddon One is the only episode where Mabel's not in it. Oh yeah, that was really weird. I don't, I don't accept episodes without Mabel. Well, it's, it's the only one, but it was a really good purpose. Like, like heavens, what happened to this girl? We've got it. You know, we need to know what torture she's going through. What's and then we find out. Not quite torture, but <laughs> well, now we might as well just go into it really briefly. Mm-hmm. Bill Cipher's a, a pr- imprisoned her in a world where uh, every one of her heart's desires comes true, and that she has no desire to leave which he needs because she would be one of the keys of um, imprisoning him again. And so Dipper has to convince her that things may not always go well, but throughout their whole life when things have gone crappy, they've always been there for each other. Mm -hmm. And uh, she realizes that 
she'd much rather be in a world with her brother than in a perfect world without it, without him. I love that episode. I think that's why I like with Magento so much because um, there's a. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the movie Inside Out, but there's a, a great sort of message to that movie, which is basically that sometimes shit things happen, but they make us the people that we are today. Like how we deal with them is is the thing that counts, and like the people around us and the support we have. And I think that's that was a really great, like really touching episode with Magen too, because it's. I mean, how tempting would it be if you were in a place where every every little whim you had was just like poof, now it exists, and now this is your life. Especially when um, you know, there's a scene in that episode where there's like a a court case happening, and they're presenting Mabel with evidence of like reasons why she shouldn't go back to reality. So there's like you know shit bits that have happened in her life where people like picked on her and like put gum in her hair and like just just really horrible stuff. But but how like. Oh, how these are the kind of things, though, that build your personality. Like, if you get everything that you want all the time, you end up, you know, shit. <laughs> Just a, that was a bit mean. I apologise, but you know what I mean. Joe's email continues. Gravity Falls also strikes a sophisticated balance between having self-contained episodes and overarching storylines. It's easy to come into an episode and enjoy it for what it is, but the clues, tidbits and Easter eggs that ornament each episode really bring the world to life. In season two, the major plot points deliver one after another in incredibly satisfying ways. Not by being too overly complicated, but by often being of serious consequence to the characters that we love. The animation is superb. Gravity Falls has quite unique character and landscape designs, but there are some episodes like Scary Oki and the Weird Mageddon trilogy that are simply gorgeous to look at. Do you know, just talking about that, I realised that we hadn't talked about the theme tune change for Weird Mageddon. Oh yeah, you're right. I have, and I, I, I cannot put my finger on why this freaks me out so much, but like... The normal theme to Gravity Falls is accompanied by, you know, clips of characters that we like and, like, sweeping landscape shots of Gravity Falls and stuff. And I don't know why, but when they change it for Weird Mageddon and the theme tune just becomes ever so slightly... It's like Bill's voice. It's it's almost there, but it's so not quite that it just really freaks you out. But for some reason, the clip of the waterfall flowing upwards and being red scares the shit out of me and I can't tell you why. I've got no idea what, but I hate it. It's a, it's just a really unsettling thing. If, yeah, it really is. Like every time I see it, I'm like, oh no, not natural. Blah. It also does a really good job of showing that things are very, very bad. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty bad. Oh no, it's so freaky. Just thinking of it, it makes me like. Joe also says the leads, Jason Ritter, Kristen Schaal, and Alex Hirsch, consistently put on nuanced and dynamic performances for their characters, helping to make characters that feel real and that we want to see more of. The sci-fi elements that the show deal with aren't revolutionary, but often come with their own humorous twist, such as Dipper dealing with the ghosts in the inconveniencing with the Lammy Lammy dance, which is adorable, or the video game jokes in Fight Fighters and Seuss and the Real Girl coming fast and hard. Sometimes the sci-fi elements are just a backdrop, the perfect backdrop for exploring wonderful characters, such as time travel to explore Seuss's character in Blending's game, or what matters more to Dipper in the Time Traveler's Pig. Gravity Falls thus finds a blend between focusing on obscure, out-of-this-world elements and grounding itself on thoroughly relatable characters that's addicting and compelling. Finally, one of the most heartbreaking, perfect things about Gravity Falls is that it ends, but it ends on some utterly fantastic episodes and before it becomes a series lagging with seasonal rot, like a masterpiece. Also, the fucking theme tune is fucking fantastic. I think I agree with everything that Joe says there. I can't recommend this show enough to, like... Anyone? I think the only person I wouldn't recommend it to is the lady at work who's convinced that kids' TV shows are created by an Illuminati to make kids like shut up and 
she's got this whole thing about triangles and stuff and pagan pagan uh, imagery and things. I don't think she I don't think Bill would go down well with her. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe, maybe I'll tell her not to watch it, but literally everybody else I know, go to fucking town if you haven't seen it already. If you have seen it already, watch it again. <laughs> it's that good. I am straight up obsessed with it. I think about it too much, I think possibly. <laughs> hey you! Sick of constantly dropping your baby? Yes. Hi, I'm Bobby Renzabi, and what you need is the Huggy Wuffy Tummy Bundle. I can hold ten babies at once. I know what you're thinking. Does it work for pigs? Oh, yeah, it does work for pigs, stupid. Feel your pig's heartbeat next to yours. It works for pigs. I don't know what more we have to say, because, um, yeah, we talked about how awesome it is, and we could just keep saying it's really, really awesome. <laughs> but I think we kind of start getting repetitive after a little while. I was going to say, I think we have hammered that point home. <laughs> I suppose, like, the main thing I would say about it is that it's not your average kids' show because I know from looking at it, like, art-wise, design-wise, it looks very much like a kids' show, but there's so much there for everyone, like, adults and kids alike, and there's so much stuff, just layers and layers of awesome stuff that I can't, I, honestly, I can't recommend it enough, really. Yeah, agreed. I mean, I've, I have one relative uh, who flat-out, does not like animation. She just doesn't want to watch anything animated. And I tell you, I know you don't like animation. Just try this show. It is so good. And since she's using my Hulu account for free, I, she has the opportunity to do so. <laughs> she should do it. How can you not like anime? That's a story for another day. <laughs> I honestly don't know. She just doesn't like it. Oh, that's so bizarre. There's so many different types. How can you... She doesn't even really like it being on when she's in the room, even if she's not watching it. Wow. I've got to say, like, one of the things that um that cracked me up about Gravity Falls as well, and I will shut up about it in a minute and finish this episode, but um, <laughs> one of the things that cracked me up is that I've got a really weird fear of particularly, like, old or not very well done uh, claymation, stop motion type animation. And um, th there's an episode in which it turns out that Mabel is terrified of it too. <laughs> <laughs> I was so happy. I was like, oh god, I'm not the only one. Because I think it's nightmare inducing like some of the old like Harry Hosen type stuff. And there used to be uh there used to be, and I, I don't know who made them and I can't find any evidence of them online, so I assume they were only available for like schools and stuff. But we we used to watch at school these videos in RE that were like stop motion, like claymation, like Bible stories. Like Davy and Goliath. Well, yeah, but like also like this, like Jesus's story and stuff as well. And I just remember the one time being really traumatized because it wasn't very good claymation to begin with. It was very like jerky and and like the movements weren't fluid and like you could almost you could almost see like thumbprints in people's faces and stuff like it was that shit. But I remember being absolutely traumatized by the 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 one video we watched of uh, little claymation Jesus getting all up on his cross. And there's this horrendous bit where they put the crown of thorns on him and just like bulges of plasticine blood are like gooping out of his forehead oh my and i was just like <laughs> like in the classroom can i go outside i don't want to watch this anymore my teacher was like you're a crazy person all right if you're going to be weird about it then go but ugh. so i had to go and stand in the corridor i couldn't watch it anymore it freaked me out too much so it's great to know that i'm not the only person in the world that's terrified of uh bad <laughs> claymation <laughs> i know mabel's not real but i like to think that's that's gonna be based on a trait that somebody alex hirsch knows has <laughs> <laughs> Should we round this off? If uh, people want to contact you on the interwebs or purchase your wares, where can they find you, Luke? They can find me on Twitter, Instagram, or Tumblr as Cartoonist Luke. And if you want to read my weekly comic, 
the Supernatural Suburbs. It's on Patreon at patreon.com slash cartoonistluke. Uh, that's a really dark comedy that I do. Um, that's my only real non-all-ages things. Uh, my all-ages comics can be found – I put I put like drawings and stuff like that on my Tumblr or you go to – my old website, centerofsomewhere.com, is still archiving all my other comics. Um, I have books available for everything. It's uh, available on the store portal through there, uh, including my newest comic, Dr. Banana's Monkey Magician. <laughs> Issue 2 will be out uh, debuting at North Carolina Comic Con on November 9, 10, 11, I think that weekend is. Or 11, 12, 13. So there's an 11 in there. But anyway, it'll be there that weekend. I've actually, I'm actually done with the. I finished it yesterday except for putting um, the logo and stuff on the cover. So... Um, I will be finishing that up today and sending it off to the printer like tomorrow. So that's where all my stuff is. And um, oh, and I also do another monthly podcast called the Magnum Cast, where me and another guy review every episode of Magnum PI in order um, because we're we're hip dudes who like to be on the pulse of things. Um, and it turns out since the show is being rebooted, uh, we're probably going to be even more on the pulse than we thought. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> well, if any of you guys want to get in touch with me, whether you want to talk Gravity Falls or other pop culture biz, you can email me at stacysparlor at gmail.com or follow me on Twitter at stacysparlor or on Instagram. I am stacebobt over there. Also, I think the Just Giving page for the live show will have closed by the time this episode comes out. But I'm going to do some more begging for money from you because on um, Saturday, October the 15th, I will be live podcasting again, not all day though, <laughs> with the We Have Issues comics podcast guys because they're doing a Twitter comic, which I think they've done before. Basically, a mutual artist friend of ours, David Wynn, will be drawing a 24-page comic in 24 hours based on suggestions from Twitter whilst live podcasts are happening at the same time as well. And we'll be jumping onto some of those podcasts. So um, keep an ear out for that. You can follow We Have Issues at Issues Pod on Twitter um, for more information about when the podcasts are coming out and how to donate. That's all being done to raise money for the charity Mind, which is a mental health, very worthwhile mental health charity. That means quite a lot to the uh, We Have Issues guys and to me as well. So tune into that and donate some money if you can. And um, thank you to everybody that donated to my fundraiser for Alzheimer's Society. I can't say how much money is in there because it hasn't closed at the time of recording. <laughs> but thank you anyway. And um, on that note, TTFN, ta-ta for now. Later. <laughs> <laughs>